I want to go right into the Word. I've actually been on a series on focus, and I've been teaching about how to overcome distraction. And there are so many weapons of mass distraction. Have you noticed? <laughs> Things vying for our attention. And the, de the definition for distract is to draw someone's attention away from something. To draw someone's attention away from something. I mean, right now we've just had the National Basketball Association, baseball, National Hockey League, they've all canceled all their games. I mean, there's some unprecedented things going on in this time. And those would have been the things that, that we would have used in our leisure to get our mind off of our problems. So we're in a very interesting time right now where our focus is being prompted in a, in a direction that we, we didn't expect. But yet, my Bible teaches in Isaiah 26.3 that we will be kept in perfect peace as we keep our minds fixed or stayed on him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, verse 2 says, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So where's God in this? On his throne. Where's Jesus in this? Having made provision for all that we need in our lives as a good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. I mean, this is in the calendar year Lenten season. We're coming in. Uh, anticipating Passover for the Jewish people, which is a celebration and an acknowledgement of God's great deliverance for his people. Easter is on its way, where we're looking at Jesus having died on the cross, Palm Sunday, Hosanna, save now. He comes in the name of the Lord, comes to save. Jesus, in fact, came to destroy the work of the evil one, which was our sin and the result and consequence of sin, which separates us, and then all this resultant problem. Jesus took it all on the cross and furnished an amazing breakthrough for us. We are a victorious people. Those who follow the Lord have great advantage. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He pardons all of your sins. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with goodness and graciousness and mercy and honor. With long life, he satisfies us and shows us his salvation. These are truths that I'm not ashamed to boldly declare to you right now. And I want to encourage you to take hold of it and internalize it. Speak it. Believe. As you're getting distracted, you get this barrage. Sometimes we need to get enough news information to know what's current, stock our shelves with the provisions we need to that are necessary, be nice to people at the grocery stores, be kind on our drive to and fro, put some social distancing, let's pay attention to what they're telling us to do and be responsible, be faithful, be good citizens, but as citizens of heaven, what we do is we take what's been furnished, we believe it, we receive it by faith, and then we boldly declare. I love the pattern of Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25. Jesus said to his disciples, and for that matter to us, have faith in God. He's faithful, trust him, he's reliable, rely on him. And then he said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his or her heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. And when you pray, believe you receive. When you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. And again, in these harsh times, the stresses, I remember the time of the flood of 93 in our church. I felt so stressed out. I was, I was not at my best 
sometimes we're not at our best in these, this kind, these kinds of social climates, but God never changes. And we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And this is where we are so blessed to have the calm stability that comes from the Prince of Peace. And we access that by standing on his promises and by doing what we're doing right now. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking a bread, to fellowship. You know, we are getting ready to have communion services here because there's healing in communion. And that is one of the key things we observe as people. But we're going to do a different format. We're going to shift from the open basket and the open cups to individual packaged communion so that it's that much more of a level of security for you, but we yet will not stop doing what we do and we will not stop being who we are to be. We are more than conquerors. We're people who love the Lord. We're people who are generous. We're people who are on fire. We're people who are full of faith and confidence. And we will not anxiously look about us because he's our God. We won't fear because God's not given us a spirit of fear. Oh, you sound like you're denying there's a problem. No, I'm not denying the problem at all. In fact, I'm facing off with the problem very realistically. I've had to make some very hard decisions just like you have recently. I'm calming down with the the investments of my retirement. I'm making sure I make wise decisions about expenditure and things like that. I'm keeping my hand, I'm washing my hands for 30 seconds now. I'm singing happy birthday to myself twice. It was my birthday the other day, so I'm having a party, personal party, while I'm keeping my hands clean. They've proven that 10 seconds, 20 seconds is good, but 30 seconds seems to get it all just really cleaned up. So I've learned some new normal. I've learned some new things. And so we make adjustments in a realistic way. We're not, in, we're not problem deniers, but we are people of faith who are promise acceptors, and we believe what God says, and we take our stand on it. We have faith in God. Why? Because he's faithful. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. So distraction is the the stuff that tries to draw our attention away. But God's actually drawing us to himself. I've noticed this not just in this coronavirus footprint. I've noticed this through my whole Christian life. The devil has always tried to fight to keep me out of this personal, close connection. He wants to have social distancing. So we're not, we're not paying attention to God, that we're kind of distant from him. That's the collateral damage of the fall. And while we have societal social distancing and necessity demands it for a period of time, with God, we need to draw closer to him than ever. And that's why the devil uses distraction. We need to get peaceful and not anxiously look about us and only be strong and very courageous. And how do we do that? By spending time in his word. I heard a rebroadcast from the great evangelist Billy Graham yesterday. And he said, spend time learning the Bible. Because in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted with real temptation, not just theoretical temptation, real temptation, he quoted scripture. And he could quote the scripture because he had studied it and he knew it. As a young Jewish boy, he studied Deuteronomy and he studied the verses. He knew what Psalm 91 actually said. The devil actually quoted Psalm 91 at Jesus, who was the living word. Think about it. But Jesus, because he had a grasp on God's ways and understood God's word, he was able to fight and able to show us and demonstrate to us as the head of the church what we are capable of doing and what has been downloaded to us in our delegated authority. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
He's called us to speak to our mountains. This is real. This is something that has substance. This isn't just batting our arms at the air. This, we make our blows count with this. This is biblical. And because it's scriptural, we know we have a leg to stand on, and we know we will get connected results. So I, I'm, on a, I'm on a personal battle to offset the weapons of mass distraction that keep trying to assail my mind. I'm one of those guys that could be hyper-focused and could get distracted. So I have a particular deal in my own psyche. I am learning to understand it, and I, I want to get my mind renewed just like you do. And so we go to the scriptures. Go to Mark chapter 4 just for a moment, and I want to read something to you that I think is very telling. Jesus is preaching one of the great parables. It's the parable of the sower of the word, seed and sower, sowing the word in the soil of our heart. And he talks and gives commentary about how the fowls of the air try to steal it, uh, what you don't understand. In fact, the devil always will distract and antagonize in areas of uncertainty. That's why we've got to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. Now, if you can handle it accurately and rightly divide it, then you can mishandle it and divide it poorly and misinterpret it. So thankfully, the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who uh, inspired the book, can guide us because he will show us only and always the right thing. He only leads us in the truth. He'll never lead you into a ditch. So you can trust him to help you as you do Bible intake to really understand who's saying it, What's the context in which it's being said? This is very important. That's why I'm not taking these things out of context. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. And he talks about, in verse 18 of chapter 4, about distraction. He says, Others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. Among the thorns. Now get a hold of that because it's going to be clarified in the next verse. These are the ones who have heard the word, but, listen to this, the worries of the world... The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. These are warnings from Jesus himself as to what we're to do in times of distraction. How to keep our focus, how not to lose our focus, how to deal with distraction, how not to be hijacked by distraction. He says worries are something we need to overcome. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8 says we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then it says next, to cast our cares completely on him. Rely on him. Trust him. Because he cares for you. Did you know God loves you? Don't be cynical about it. Well, if God really loved me, why is all this happening? Listen, it could have been a whole lot worse. We can't keep blaming God for the human maladies and things that are the result of the fall of humanity and the forfeiture of our forefathers and mothers in our own personal sin. Jesus died for our sins because we're all sinful and we're all lost without him and that he could actually turn a sinner into a saint, make you a brand new creation. He could take a fearful person and make him filled with faith. He could take a, an insecure person and make you confident with supernatural strength. Remember Psalm 27, he said, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Say that to yourselves. In spite of this, I shall be confident. Now, let's look at this for a minute. Worries. The word is marimna in the Greek, and it means anxieties of life, worries of the time. It means cares coming from distraction and the Strong's concordance. He defined that marimna is 
their cares coming from distraction. You know, we try to focus and the weapons of mass distraction try to seize us. I don't know, in my lifetime, we've never been in a situation quite like this. School leadership, hospital executives, business owners, sports owners, church leaders, we're all having, families, we're all having to make decisions on our feet. What do I do now? What's the new normal? And, uh, but this is the good thing about having the presence of God in our lives. We can go to his word as a lamp to our feet. It already tells us we're, we're to trust him, have faith in God. That's paramount right now. We've been actually going over this repetitively for decades. This is an, an opportunity for us to operate in our anchoring truths that we just will not take for granted. This is what we believe. We believe, therefore, we speak. We believe there's a God who cares about us. We believe his kingdom cannot be shaken. We believe that he's the Lord that heals us. We believe that he answers prayer, so we'll pray. We believe that where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst, so eventually we're going to be able to come back together closer than ever. With a new beautiful lobby, all freshly decorated, we're working on getting new carpet and getting new chairs. Why? Because I'm expecting and preparing for increase. This is a time for us to lift up our eyes and trust God for more people to come to the Lord than ever have, for people who have fallen away to return, for broken people to get answers and practical solutions to the problems of their lives, because this all matters to God. My friend who just had the major transplant surgery, I am trusting God she'll come through 100%. The, the people who are concerned about sniffles and coughs, I'm trusting God this thing is going to be reduced and not be what... Think that what the worst case scenario could be. I'm believing God for something great. Aren't you? I'm trusting God. And I don't want to let worries hijack me. So I have to spend time in the word. I have to turn my attention to the scriptures and say, okay, now, but what does God say about this? Go to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in a green pasture. He leads me by quiet waters. Go to Isaiah 53, three through five. He bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases, and by his stripes I am healed. If you're not a Christian today, go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Salvation belongs to our God, but then he's freely given it to us on the rescue mission of his son Jesus. I've been helped by paramedics. I got rescued at sea by the U.S. Coast Guard. I've had so many experiences in my life. I've been at the ER and watched doctors save one of the people in our church from near death years ago, and I've seen it with my own eyes. Firemen come into our house at a chimney fire. I've, at this point in my life, watched rescuers help people. They're endeared to me. I appreciate them like you do. I'm so grateful for first responders. The great first responder was dispatched from heaven 2,000 years ago. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one, among which is the fall of man and sinful condition that was temptation brought, the allure, and, and man bit the, 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 the forbidden fruit, and man, we've all been sucker punched. And yet at the right time, Jesus came to die for the ungodly. Can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but we must receive it. And then... As we go for, as you might be a Christian for years and years, Pastor Jeff, I know the evangelistic message. 
The evangelistic message is just reloaded into our daily lives. We need that deliverance. We need that rescue. We need that salvation on a micro, minute-by-minute, day-by-day level. And guess what? He is an ever-present help in trouble. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. That's beautiful. You can trust that. You can bank on these unseen realities. Walk by faith. Faith in God and his faithfulness. Trust him. Some of you'd say, well, cynically, that would be so comforting to actually believe that. I don't believe that. Well, what's your conclusion? Just ambiguity about it, and then you die? There's a God in heaven. He genuinely loves you. The evidence is overwhelming through science, through empirical evidence, through the physical world. Just look around. Creation declares the glory of God. There is a God in heaven. Man is in a bad situation. Jesus came to deal with it. Even in this moment, when we're facing this situation, we can trust God for healing to come, for protection to come. You know, I care about my wife and my children and now my grandchildren. I deeply love and value our church family as a shepherd, as a pastor. I'm believing God for my church family the component of my elders, the middle-aged folks, the young people. I'm believing God for everybody to be protected always in Jesus' name. And I'm putting up a shield, my shield of faith so I could extinguish not some, but all the flaming arrows of the devil. Chiefly, this one particular weird attack of distraction. Worries of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things enter in, and they choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This is a time for us to just go head on into God's word. I would go to places like Psalm 91 and Psalm 27. I had a text from another pastor in another state, and he said, hey, remember 2 Timothy 1.7? It was exactly the same pattern I've been going over and over in, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's clarifying. That doesn't come from God. That agitation, the worry, the nervousness, pensiveness, apprehension, that doesn't come from God. What comes from God is, hey, I'm with you. That guiding, steady hand. When I was lost at sea and nobody knew where I was out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, God knew where I was. And he coordinated for the person in the boat to drive a mile and a half off the the banks of an island to find me out in the obscure place out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, that's a miracle. You can't make that up. And I was in it. And you know what it felt like? So many other great deliverances God has done in my life. Being lost at sea to a Missourian may seem super freaky, may make your mouth dry up and your heart pound. I was born and raised in Southern California in the water. It made my heart pound and made my mouth dry up. But one thing I could say through my squeaky, dried up, tight throat was Jesus. And that was my big, magnificent theological prayer. Jesus. His name means salvation. Jesus. His name is above every name. Jesus. And all he represents as a person. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. There's nobody like Jesus. And I'll tell you, yeah, I do love Jesus. And I am a Jesus follower. And and I'm going to tell you why. Because there's nobody like him. He's real. This isn't make-believe. It's not like I've landed on some sort of mythological superhero like so many other uh, heroes. He is fully God, and he's fully man. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Savior who saves. He's the healer who heals. Hey, moms of kids, trust God, and don't be freaked out right now. Don't anxiously look about you. Get in the Word, even if you only have to find one scripture. You don't have to 
go to every cross-reference and find every scripture on healing unless you are prone to do that. When I was out in the sea and I was lost, I didn't have a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. I didn't have a laptop. I wasn't doing a little study writing down notes with a pencil in my mouth. I had a snorkel in my mouth, and I had prayer on my lips. And this was how technical my prayer is. My prayer was out there. I went to Bible school. I've been a pastor for almost 40 years. God, help. Help me, God. See, it's getting sophisticated now. God, help me in Jesus' name. Jesus, give the captain wisdom to know what to do. I feel like crying because he rode up over the waves, six-foot swells. He rode up. I was wearing a wetsuit, black wetsuit in ink black water. And uh, how did he find me? Because God answers prayer. How are we going to get through this? Because God is faithful. How are we going to overcome distraction and fear? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. And because distraction is one of the works of the devil. And for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one. These are one of his works. So we have to do our best to focus. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. Just spend, just get your Bible out. Pop it open. Last night I had my iPad on and I was listening to Alexander Scorby and I was listening to the book of Philippians because I paid particular attention to this one verse and I'm going to close with this now because I'm running out of time. Philippians chapter 1. It will do you good to overcome distraction by beginning and starting each of our days, your day with intentionality, not haphazardly. Number one, talk to Jesus. Acknowledge him. Fellowship with him. Get in conversation with him. Pray to him. Grab your Bible. Open it up and feed your spirit God's word. Get a devotional that will help your thought processes and stir and renew your mind. Write down some things you have planned for the day. How are you going to take care of the kids? What grocery items you still need to get? Uh, who you're going to pray for? What, your, what part of the house? We could get so much house cleaning done since we're all kind of shut in right now. Right now, we're, as a church, doing some renovation. We're doing spring cleaning already. We're about ready to have a brand new foyer and eventually new bathrooms. To God be the glory. Why? Because we're progressive people. We don't sit and get stagnant and get stuck in fear. We're not sitting like bumps on a log. We're more than conquerors, and we're people of action. We're action people. Faith is an action word. Trust is an action word. Love is an action word. And in the Philippian church, Paul the Apostle prayed, and I pray for St. Louis Family Church, you guys, I love you so much, listen man, listen to this, it says here, Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you, Paul felt great feelings about the Philippian church because they were like you, they were people of action. He said, because I have you in my heart. He said, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. These guys were in it together. They went through a lot of challenges. The Neronian persecution of Nero fiddling while Rome burned and the haters and the, 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 the pressure, the climate of pressure that was on the early church was formidable. These things were not written in an ideal, soft, and easy setting. These were coming out of hardcore circumstances, and these were real people like you and me. And they survived. They thrived. We're here today because of the repercussive impact of their faith in the primitive early primal beginnings. 
He said, for God is my witness how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I'm so excited about seeing your faces when you see the, the new space that we're going to get to have for our coffee and our fellowship. Less traffic jams, move, room for more people. We're making room for more people at St. Louis Family Church. Social connection. Temporary social distancing is preceded, but then social connection, I'm convinced, is going to increase. As people are coming to terms with their need for Jesus in this moment. He says this in verse 9. He says, for this I pray. And I want to tell you, this is one of the ways I overcome distraction. I have printed in my Bible from when I was a young person the prayers to strengthen my spirit from the epistles, from Ephesians 3, 16, Philippians 1, 9, which I'm about to read, Colossians 1, 9, Ephesians 1, 17, and so forth. And I, I, I routinely read these. These are the beginning prayers Paul prayed for the early church. And I pray this as a pastor over myself and over our church, over my family constantly. He said, I pray that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. There are things that are falsely called knowledge. We're in the information age. And we've got to differentiate the spin doctoring and the hype. We've got to know what is really the truth. And objectivity, unfortunately, is not one of the hallmarks presently of communication of news. It's being conveyed with so much opinion that we don't know where the facts stop and the opinion begins. So we have to be, have real knowledge and all discernment. We need sharpness with the Holy Spirit. And the good news is he will help you. He will help me to be able to differentiate and quantify what is right and what is false. We can know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I think it's particularly important to understand that it's in real knowledge and all discernment, that your love may abound, yet more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Knowledge in and of itself can actually even be problematic. There's actually a category of knowledge that puffs up and makes arrogant. And we've been around people that get sophisticated and they, they like they won the lottery intellectually and they're smarter than all the rest of us and they use it to show their prowess and kind of browbeat us like we're stupid. And that knowledge, can, that's a kind of knowledge that can puff up. Paul warned Timothy about that which is falsely called knowledge. Wow. So, oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. First John chapter 5, John wrote, I wrote these things to you who believe that you might know you have eternal life that you might know. You'll know how to pray what God's will is and that when you pray, you know you have the petitions that you request. That produces confidence as an anchoring element in your soul. And I pray that our love may abound. That word love is agape in the Greek and it means affection, benevolence, and charity. Affection is where we have positive attitudes and kindness towards others as is benevolence. It's kind action, but our benevolence translates into kind actions. And charity, again, very similar, lenient attitude toward other people. Lenient attitude toward other people. We need to say, but for the grace of God go I. In our society right now, we as Christians don't anxiously look about us, but what we do is we cultivate our love walk, we bridle our tongues, we get sensitive to the situation, but not overly sensitive and wearing our feelings on our sleeves in an irritable way, but sensitive to the Holy Spirit and lifting people up, praying for those in authority over us, 
I've looked in the eyes of some of these people and the CDC and the medical care people, the leadership of countries, and they look stressed out. We need to pray for them. Trust God for this. He's going to answer our prayers. And all knowledge, real knowledge, and all discernment so that we may approve the things that are excellent. We've got to make a lot of decisions right now, canceling trips, whether to work from home or go to work. You know, some people that are on an assembly line or research scientists or people in quality control, you've got to be at work. So then you've got to follow the patterns that are being given to you by management. Someone just sent me an email from one of his Fortune 500 company, a chemical company that makes pharmaceuticals, and they had a very specific layout of rules. We follow the rules. Like I said, washing hands etiquettes, you know, giving elbows, waving to people instead of hugging. I mean, we just have to do that right now. These are adjustments we have to make. Well, what do we do as Christians? We have faith in God, and we adjust. God, ever-increasing faith. We speak to our mountains, and we adjust, speaking more specifically, to more mountains. And we pray. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Scriptural prayers with confidence that he hears, his ears inclined to the prayer of the upright. My prayers get answered. And then we forgive. And that's why it says that your love may abound yet more and more in real knowledge and all judgment. And I'm going to close with this because one of the distractions with Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10, Martha invited Jesus into her house in a village where they lived near Capernaum. And Jesus went in and he was speaking as a rabbi, as a teacher. And Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his word. And Martha got upset because she wasn't helping her with the making the meal ready and the preparations. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about so many things. He said, but there are only a few things needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And see, Martha was bothered, the Greek says, and annoyed. And I've noticed this. This is what we've got to watch out for. In our call to focus, to have crystal clear vision, the weapons of mass distraction, seems, they seem to have heightened. My sense prophetically is that we're coming onto the precipice of a great move of God and a great harvest amongst the lost and great revival amongst the church and churches, our church and churches. And that's why there's so much agitation. There are other reasons for it. Societally, we'll pray about it. God will turn it all around for good. Simple. It's not dumbed down, but it is simple. When we pray, we believe, we receive.